The Theonauts episode 92. The one where you get a car, and you get a car, and you get a car. The Theonauts podcast. Christian news from around the globe. In the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. It is the glory of God to conceal a thing, but the honor of kings is to search out a matter. Explore the vast reaches of God's Word. Hey, all you Theovangelists out there. I'm David Gaddy. I'm Jeremiah Orr. And together we are the, the Theonauts. Theo What's up? How you doing, David? I just shot a rubber band in a, into a, your uh, Superman yeah, poster. Sorry. I, I appreciate that. <laughs> no problem. I was trying to shoot your $6 million man lunchbox, but I ended up hitting Superman <laughs> right square in the face. So uh, anyways, how are you doing this I'm week? I'm doing great. How are you doing? Yeah, all right. How are you doing? I'm okay. We're testing at school, so I've been bored oh, out of my mind. you're almost through. Yeah, we have two weeks you're, left. You're ready for summer. I'm like jonesing for summer. So lucky. Yeah. I keep staring out the window of my classroom while the kids are looking at me like, are we supposed to be learning something? I'm like, (sighs) (laughs) (laughs) anyways, so that's my life. How about you? Awesome. Well, it's been going well this weekend. We did, um, we did some cleanup at the old church building where we're doing the, the way. And, uh, That's uh, coming along really well. Um, the the people that owned it came down and <laughs> yeah, that was really and neat. Uh, did did some cleanup the past few days and they're just excited as all get out for what's going on in that in that building. Well, so. it's so neat. I you know <clears throat> it's amazing how God works. So we love our church and our church family and it really is family. So it's pretty cool. Yeah. Well, why don't we get rolling? Bring it on. Hey, 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 David, if you accept Jesus into your heart, I'll give you this candy bar. <laughs> <laughs> as long as it's a money back guarantee, right? 90 days. 90 day guarantee. Guarantee. Yeah. So, uh, okay, for those of you who are not tuned into the Babylon, the Babylon B, that's Jeremiah's attempt at, at satire. Satire, which is great. <laughs> satire is a good way of delivering a message that you want to get a point across, yes. right? So, unfortunately, a lot of people do not understand. No, they so they don't. don't get satire. I feel like Jonathan Swift from the early, uh, you know, the 1800s. Mm-hmm. You ever heard of that guy? Of course. He wrote. He Gilbert's wrote his travels. Yes. Before that, though, he wrote this little thing called an, uh, a decent proposal. Mm-hmm. Where I've not read that one. He proposed eating babies to take care of the poor problem <laughs> in England. It was total satire, and people were outraged. Yeah. He's like, no, no, you don't get it. That was the point. And, and it's, it's, it's funny how few people do really get satire. It's like they, they read The Onion, and they're like, really? That happened? No, it did not happen. It's trying to make a social commentary on Right. <laughs> so, so, but anyway... Uh, oh, well. That uh, Babylon B thing has been very interesting. It has. But I think it's a point. Don't get offended by that. Thing. Right. I think it's, it's supposed to teach you something. It is. And, okay, so the lesson, I think, fits in with what we're going to be talking about today, which is benevolence and evangelism. Right. Right? Mm-hmm. Uh, it's the whole idea of how how benevolent or kind acting should we as Christians be? Should it always be focused on evangelism? What's the point? What? Where are we going with this? Um, you know, and, and it's the old thing. And I, I think there's some validity to the idea of, are we going out to people and going here, take this candy bar in order to say, you know, yeah, say these words and, you know, <laughs> and then you get the treat. Right. Right. And, uh, something that, that's really interesting to me, I, um, as, as a, as a pastor who's set in, um, <laughs> Said in my office many a day, uh, contemplating the wonderful things in life. Uh, the majority of phone calls that we receive um, to the church are actually from people looking for money or a handout. Right. Um, in fact, we would have people that would come into town 
get a church to put them up for a night in a hotel, and then get the yellow pages, and and uh, you know leaf through the yellow pages and call church after church after church looking for a handout. Right. Right. And so it's very easy, especially if you're a pastor, to become jaded with this whole benevolence thing. Yes. So it's a really interesting uh, study. What what sh- what should we as Christians be doing? How should we be doing it? Um, you know, well, I can guarantee you around it? there's going to be people out there listening who are not going to agree oh, yeah. with what we have to say. Sure. Or, and we, you know, I may not agree. I don't know. Yeah. But uh, the... It's a part of this is wrapped up in our once again the thing that we keep coming back to is the institution of church yeah and how we've built this corporation yeah. out of it yeah and how we handle things just like you would from a corporate mindset mm-hmm. instead of looking at it as simply following Jesus right and so that's that's kind of what I've you know. <laughs> My kind of benevolent awakening, I guess you could call it, that okay. was mainly focused on watching Jesus through the scriptures. Sure, and and seeing how did he how did he treat people, how did he act around people, uh, how did he communicate, how did he preach, how did he you know and and he what did he tell the disciples when they when he was walking along the Sea of Galilee there, come follow me. Right. Right. And that call is the same thing that, that he has to us. Sure. Follow me. Absolutely. Uh, and we talked about before discipleship and, and this whole idea of walking in the dust of our rabbi. May yeah. you be covered in the dust of your rabbi is a um, saying in the, in the Jewish, uh, ancient Jew, Judaism. And it, what it basically means is follow your teacher so closely that the dust he kicks up from his feet covers you. Right. <laughs> Absolutely, and Jesus is our rabbi. He's he's our he's our teacher. Yeah, and so we should be aiming to follow him. But the, but I guess part of why I bring this type of stuff up is because as you go out as a Christian and you begin to do things in the community and you begin to do things in other countries and you you start actively living some of this, man, everyone's a critic. <laughs> yeah, I mean, there's the Christians come out of the woodwork to tell you what you're doing wrong and what, <laughs> and what you need to be doing and what you need to stop doing. And, uh, man, it, it started like early on for me. Okay. So, um, I'm going to, I'm going to just, just back this up a little bit because, um, and I, I've, I've kind of told some of this before, but just to reiterate where I'm coming from. Sure. Is I, at the age of what? 40. I had been um, a Christian for, what, uh, 30-something years Mm -hmm. and not done a lot, to be honest. I mean, I showed up at church, and I I did the the church thing, okay? And I was was devout from that standpoint. Right. However, I didn't impact a lot of people's lives outside of that, and... There was this call on me, and it was just like, you got to do something. You, you need to be active in your faith. We need to, to do something. And uh, so it was 2009. I'm studying. Um, and in some of the passages that uh, really caught my eye were in Matthew, uh, when, when Jesus is talking there um, to, uh, let's see, Matthew 25. Whenever he's talking there about the, uh, he's kind of giving everybody this vision of of who's going to be saved in the end based on, this is not a works-based thing that he's saying, but what he's saying is these are the people that exemplify. If you exemplify these things, it is is evidence of your faith, and here is what is exemplified. Right. Okay. And, uh, of course, he does the whole thing where, um, I'm just going to read a portion of it here where he's talking to the quote-unquote righteous and uh, he says, then the righteous will answer him, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you or thirsty and give you something to drink? When did we see you a stranger and invite you in or naked and clothe you? When did we see you sick or in prison and visit you? And the king will answer them. I tell you the truth, just as you did it for one of the least of these brothers or sisters of mine, you did it for me. 
these words kept echoing in my mind because the things in this list are the things I had never done. Right. At least to any degree. I mean, yeah, I might have written a, a check to the United Way <laughs> or I might have, you know, I, I might have, have, have dug deep here and there, you know, and, and you're buying your snacks at the at the gas station and and the lady there at the counter says, well, hey, would you like to donate a dollar to uh, this walkathon thing? Right. March of dimes. <laughs> oh, yeah, and- sure. I'm a benevolent guy. <laughs> you know, you give <laughs> you a dollar and go home. Well, um, that's not what I read here in Jesus' teaching. He's, he's wanting to know, is your faith being exemplified in these ways? Are you Are you feeding people? Are you giving people water when they're thirsty? Are you visiting with them when they're sick? Are you um, going to prison and visiting those that are in this situation, those who are suffering for the faith, but that can apply to anyone who's incarcerated? Right. Um, well, it, I, <clears throat> go ahead. Well, I think it's important to point out, um, so this is uh, where, you're, where you're pulling this, Matthew 25, uh, this is uh, from the Olivet Discourse, right? So he's, right. He's, he's preaching, this is his last main discourse before uh, he uh, um, is crucified and then resurrected. And um, it's mainly focused on when Jesus comes again, right? The second coming yeah. is what it's focused on more than anything. Uh, but it's also focused on um, something that, that we've talked about so many times, which is faith and works, mm-hmm. okay? And uh, so the idea here is if you have the faith, just like James says, if you have the faith, then the works are going to be the natural byproduct of that faith, like Correct. smoke is to a fire. So what what we're saying so far is is that if we if we have the faith then these are the natural works that are that are going to be uh become produced right these, and these are the evidence these this if, is if the evidence if you're going to stand in trial for being a christian let's say here on earth if you're going to stand on in trial for being a christian what's the evidence that is going to be right. uh, thrown against you is it right. going to be well i saw him in church in a church building on sunday morning <laughs> is that the the bulk of the evidence against you Right. Or is are these type of things what's going to come up? And I had to to basically look at myself and go, dude, I am I'm I'm not doing these things. Yeah, these aren't part of my wow. life. And so uh, I began to think about this term, the least of these. And I was thinking, okay, so what's he saying? He what he's mm. saying is you haven't even done it to the ones who need this stuff the most. Okay, so that's what he's saying. He was like, you know, yeah, there's tons of people that need help, but you haven't even gone out of your way to go to the ones who need it the most. At least you should have done that. That, yeah. And uh, so I started thinking, okay, well, I'm going to hunt. I'm going to find the quote-unquote least of these in my near vicinity or whatever and um, made this shocking discovery that the nation of Haiti was like the poorest nation in the Western Hemisphere, read all these statistics about them and how malnourished they were and how one out of five of the children that are born there die before they turn five years old. I mean, there was all these horrible statistics. And uh, so I got real interested in that, started reading. I read The Hole in the Gospel by uh, Richard Stearns, and uh, just my whole life changed because I started getting very convicted in this. Sure. And then that's when the the earthquake hit in 2010, and I had an opportunity to go and actually do something about what I was preaching. Um, So the thing is, when you go do this type of of stuff, that's when you start finding out everything you're doing wrong as a Christian. It's like, (laughs) if I'm showing up to church and that's all I'm doing, no one's going to complain, Okay. I mean, no one's going to say, hey, you're sitting in the pew wrong. (laughs) (laughs) But but if you actually go out there and start doing something, someone's going to complain. There's always that person that says, hey, why are you running down to Haiti? Yeah, you got these people right across the street that need help. And and you're the you're the reason why we don't have good (laughs) service here, because you're taking off and you're going you're taking it someplace else. You know, there's always people, you know, throwing those types of things around. And I'm not going to talk about that specific issue. But what I'm getting at is is people are very quick to put the kibosh on what you're doing. And one of the biggest things that comes up in this is that, well, you got to be careful because if you're going to, if you're, if your goal is to help people, 
Well, you need to make sure that the church gets credit. And I, I even heard, uh, I even heard that. I was told that by by a. Uh, what do they mean by that? What's what? That that if you if, that if you go and you help somebody, you need to make sure you tell them that the church of blah de blah de blah is the one that sent me here, and 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 basically give the church credit. And my reply was, I don't know. I'm going to give God the credit. Yeah. I'm not going to give the credit to the, to a church. Well, uh, and, first of all. First off, that doesn't even make sense because you are the church, <laughs> right? So what in the world? Well, that goes are back to this whole about? corporate mindset, right? This corporate mindset. But beyond that, yeah, you give God the credit for everything. It's not a. But yeah, to, to say, well, you got to give it in the church's name. Yeah. The answer is, I am the church, and so I'm just doing what the church is naturally supposed to be doing. And, and I think the point was that they, the, these poor people, need to know that the what you're giving them came from. This specific group, yeah, and and I was like, well, I don't want them to know that. I mean, I, I keep going to the other teachings of Jesus. What's he saying? You know, give of your alms in private. Yeah, don't I mean, let you're your not left trying to know what your right hand. Yeah, doing. you're not trying to get credit for this right stuff. hand, left hand, whatever. So, um, so anyway, it just became, and then I've, uh, I heard this is one that gets me, and I hear this quite a bit. Is well, we don't just need to be giving stuff to people. Um, because all you're doing when you do that is you're just trying to look good. Okay, so people want to automatically start reading your heart. And uh, in fact, I called a pretty close friend of mine whenever I was all excited about going to Haiti. And I called this, and I'd been telling this guy <clears throat> what was on my heart and everything. And I called him up and I was like, dude, I have an opportunity to go. Do you want to go with me? I mean, like, I was so excited. I'm trying to get everybody to go. Right, right? sure. <laughs> And the dude, and the guy's like, nah, I'm not into that. And I'm like, what do you mean you're not into it? And he was like, oh, well, all these, yeah, this earthquake hits, and all of a sudden, all these Christians want to run off down there uh, so that they can be, oh, hey, hey, look at me. I'm such a great Christian. I'm helping these poor people that, and I'm like, really? You think that's what everybody's, I mean, you've already projected onto everybody's heart that the only reason they're running off to Haiti or, or anywhere is because they want some special credit for it. Yeah, wow. So on one hand, I got a preacher telling me, uh, make sure we get the credit. And then on the other hand, I got people saying, you're only doing it because you want credit. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, can Rock this, in a hard place thing. Can this not just be about helping people and loving people and having compassion on yeah. people? Well, again, and <clears throat> this goes back to the whole death of the rabbi thing. So, um, yeah, you were Matthew twenty-five, all of that discourse. It's basically listing what you know, <laughs> the the uh, fruit of a Christian. You know, we have the whole parable of the ten virgins. Then you go with the um, the parable of the bag of gold, right? What do you do with the money, mm -hmm. right? And then he he gives us last one, the sheep and the goats. So this whole idea is if you are, then this is how you will be. Right. As a Christian, this is naturally what's gonna what's gonna flow out of your heart is going to be a desire to love God and love others and to love unconditionally right. and do things for the least of these. Okay, so I think um, where evangelism fits in with all of this. Well, and, well, the thing is, I, that's a lot. That's what I I hear these things pitted against one another. Yeah, like it's. Uh, and you'll see charities that actually do this. We're an evangelical charity. Or then you have this other charity. Well, we're a benevolent charity. And I, I think that needs to stop. It's like, well, um, so you only do benevolence and you never preach the gospel? <laughs> or wait a minute, you only preach the gospel and you never help anybody? Right. So there's this huge, great debate. Well, is it you know, is it this or is it that, or is it every time that I give a piece of bread that I need to make sure that, that person knows about Jesus Christ, or is it every you know what I mean? Right. Uh, do I like we had one, and um, I have a huge history with this whole benevolence thing, just because I, I moved to Reno uh -huh. and it blew my mind. Um, I went to a church that was eighty five percent homeless, literally. 85% of the people that came on our Sunday mornings were homeless. They didn't have anywhere to sleep. One of my Sunday school uh, helpers was a, uh, lived in a tent 
it, he was an army vet that, that didn't have a home, mm-hmm. and he was a gambling addict. And what he ended up doing was living in a tent off in the via stream, you know, <laughs> and wherever he pitched his tent, that's where he stayed every night. And it wasn't just him. I mean, it was like 85% of the people. And so on a daily basis, uh, my pastor, which is one of the greatest pictures to me of of a man who understands benevolence and Mm -hmm. evangelism, my pastor uh, was really good at balancing this because these people, number one, it, it it was a difficult thing. Like, yeah, it, where do you... It's very difficult here in America, by the way. Right. More so than some of the poorer places. Well, I'll give you a good example. So uh, one day I get a call from a man who needs a full tank of gas. And uh, and so I go and I check, and we have money in the benevolence. And so uh, I say, come on, and, and I'll give you a tank of gas. So he comes up, and uh, he's expecting from me the the gospel message for me to preach to him the gospel message. Yes. And then he's expecting, I can tell he's expecting to pray with me to receive Christ so that he can get this tank of gas. And that's why I think, you know, this whole candy bar for salvation thing, <laughs> where that comes from. Right. Because he automatically expected that. And he had a, he had his whole spiel down, right? He was right. ready, waiting. They know what's going on. Exactly. And th- so this whole idea, where does it become, okay, this is pretty much like training a dog to get, a cookie, you know what I mean? Yes. Uh, or does it become reality? And the best thing to do in that situation is not to say anything, but to just pull out your own wallet, put in your own cash, and give money. So anyways, going back to my preacher, uh, my pastor, he said something that was really interesting. He said, number one, you need to be led by the Spirit yes. when, when benevolence yes. is concerned. So you need to listen intently to what the Spirit is telling you to do. Mm -hmm. If you're led by the Spirit, He's going to say, go and give money to that person. Go and don't give money to that person. Go and take care of this person. Don't give give to this person. And But the exact same thing can be said for evangelism. Oh, absolutely. What you say and when you say it and what the opportunities are. Here's the thing for me. There is no fixed rules about this. That's right. Like there's not a pattern that says... Every time a homeless person comes to you, you do X, Y, and Z. And we shouldn't build those types of, of guidelines. Every situation is unique. Right. And it has to be addressed in right. a unique way. Okay, so <clears throat> our, uh, our, uh, um, the name of our network is the Great Commission Transmission. So I'd be at a loss if I didn't bring that up with evangelism. Yeah. So I'm going to bring up uh, Matthew 28, right? Which is, by the way, right after the Olivet Discord, right after yeah. uh, crucifixion, this is the last thing that Jesus tells us to do on earth. Right. So it's got to be pretty important if it's the last thing that he says Correct. before he's like, uh, wait in Jerusalem, peace, I'm out. You know? Right. So this is what he says. He says, Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all the things I've commanded you, and behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. So for me, this issue is really solved like this. This is just me, okay? <laughs> and <laughs> all right. So basically, that is our mission. As Christians, our mission is is to preach Christ. That's the reason we're still breathing. Right. Our mission is to tell the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ. That's that's the goal for every Christian's life is t- to preach Christ. And we'd be in a miss if we didn't say that that is right. the Christian goal. Right. But the means that we do that is simply living as Christians. And one of the ways we live as Christians is being benevolent. That's very good. So it's a both-and thing. It goes hand-in-hand. Yes, hand. and that's why I feel like these things can't be separated. And one, one of the things that, that I think that the, 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 the modern church has done is they have narrowed Jesus' command there at the end to... <laughs> uh, do you have time for me to tell you about my Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ? Hold on. It's on my script here. Yeah, okay. F-A-I-T-H, faith. All right, here we go. F. <laughs> so that is not what Jesus was saying. Um, <laughs> not to knock the faith mo- model. If that's what you want to use, use it. But whatever. Anyways, I, go ahead. it's never worked for me. <laughs> it's cold call sales is all it is. Yeah. And and Jesus isn't calling us to sales. He's calling us to love. If we 
care for people, we're going to care for their souls and, and where their uh, ultimate eternity yeah. lies, right? So if we go back to Jesus, he's the model, right? And watch him. What, is, what does he do? Because he preaches the gospel. Yeah. He preaches the message. But how does he do it? Well, you know, Jesus was then having dinner with the sinners, you know, the prostitutes. I mean, you start reading all this, and it's right. like, well, wait, you know? So... No, he's not just he's not just handing out flyers and tracks. Yeah. He's he's building relationships. Yeah. Like the woman who comes into uh Simon uh the Pharisee's house. Yeah. She knew who he was. How? Well, he'd been interacting with her people. Yeah. Like so sh- she knew him by reputation, by it, it, it probably wasn't, you know, because he handed her a track. It was because he had exemplified compassion and love for them. That's why she came with love for him. Yeah. And that's why she starts crying over him. And what, whereas the religious guy in the room is like, this woman's a, she, you know what kind of woman this is? <laughs> what are you doing? And, yeah. and uh, totally missed the boat. But we find ourselves a lot of times in Simon's place where we've, we see someone, we cast judgment on them and we like, Oh, well you need, you need, you need to straighten your life out. You know, you need Jesus. Well, that's the wrong approach. Maybe it needs to be approached through loving relationship building. Then you they'll listen to you. Yeah. And that's one of the things I noticed about Jesus is that he would he would help people like no questions asked. But then he would teach them. And sometimes those teachings were hard. Uh, a great example is the feeding of the 5,000. Now, he's out here in the middle of nowhere, and he's got this crowd of people. And I want to look at some of the wording in, in Matthew 14, um, beginning in verse 13. It says, Now, when Jesus heard this, he went away from there privately in a boat to an isolated place. But when the crowd heard about it, they followed him on foot from the towns. As he got out, he saw the large crowd. And here's the, here's the key part. And he had compassion on them and healed their sick. And when evening arrived, his disciples came to him saying, this is an isolated place and the hour is already late. Send the crowds away so they can go to the villages and buy food for themselves. But he replied, they don't need to go. You give them something to eat. (laughs) Okay, so what is Jesus speaking out of here? Is he speaking out of, hey, we got some fish on the hook. We we can really sell this Christianity stuff. All we got to do is give them some fish and some bread. So, yeah, but what he what no how he approaches it is he sees the crowd right. and has compassion on them. He loves them, and he knows that they're going to be hungry. And he's like, let's not send them away. Let's let's do a miracle and let's feed them. Okay, that was a gift. It was something done out of love. And okay, then of course he has their ear. Of course, right. you know, the next morning they follow him around the sea and won't breakfast. <laughs> right. And his and he gives them teaching again, but he gives them a harder teaching sure. because he knows that if they're only there for the food, then they'll go away. Uh, and they did. A lot of them did. So Jesus does deal with beggars. Oh, 100%. Yeah. In different ways. So there are things that, okay, like, let me give you an example of the, uh, the, the most recent church I was a part of used to have a policy that said if a homeless person or anybody comes in asking for money for XYZ, we don't give them money. We give them XYZ. So if someone comes in and says, hey, I'm traveling to Dallas and I'm out of gas and I just need 20 bucks for, you know, gas, <laughs> then the policy was, okay. We'll take you down to the gas station. And we'll put. We'll we'll fill your tank up. Okay. Wow. Yeah. Um, I've heard this. <clears throat> okay. That was and that and it seemed to work okay. But when I got into this whole mindset thing, I started reevaluating that and going, okay, wait a minute. What message are we sending here? We don't trust you. Exactly. That's the message right off the bat. We don't. We're not giving them the message. I love you and I want to help you. We're giving the message. You know, you're not really a trustworthy person. We've been burned before. Right. And uh, so uh, um, 
there's there's this thing that jumped out at me. One of the most popular passages in Scripture is First Corinthians thirteen, right? Yeah. This, ch- this chapter about the gift of love and how important it is, and that, I mean, what qualities it brings out of us. Right. Okay. First um, Corinthians thirteen verse seven says, "It bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, and endures all things." I really got to think about what those four things mean. What, how do they work together? And I'd never really thought about it in this way before. Hmm. It bears all things. Okay, first off, I used to think that meant love will carry you through. Like whenever times are <laughs> tough, it'll bear it. You know, it'll, it'll carry you through. But that's a selfish way of reading the scripture. If you look at it in terms of helping people, what does it mean? If it, it, it bears all things. All things. Like no matter how big the burden that someone has is, your love bears that burden for them. So you are bearing their weight. That's what love does. Yeah. The very next statement says, believes all things. Well, I've heard so many people dispute that. Well, I don't know what that means. That can't mean it believes everything because you, <laughs> you can't believe false doctrine. You know, well, that's not what it's saying. It's talking about trust. Yeah. Someone tells you, hey, I'm out of gas and I need to get to Dallas. You believe them. I believe them. I don't immediately go to the distrust. Sec- I, I go to trust, belief in what they Now, that mm. sounds good, but in reality, are people going to take advantage of you? Mm. Of course. Yeah. But what does the next thing say? It hopes all things. Love hopes all things. So my hope in you, is I put you, my hope in you. You're gonna be real, right? I'm, 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 I'm trusting you sure. because what you said, and sure. I'm going to put my hope in you by giving you what you're asking for. Sure. But am I gonna still get burned? Oh, probably. Yeah. You know, at some point, it might not be this guy. It might be the next guy. But you're gonna. Okay. What's the next thing say? It endures mm-hmm. all things. So when you get when you're getting burned, well, do you go, well, that's a bunch of crap. I ain't doing that again. <laughs> no, you don't you don't treat people you, you don't you don't say, you know, fool me one time, you know, shame on shame me. Shame on me. Fool me twice, shame on you. Shame on uh, uh what was the, the bush <laughs> thing where he couldn't ever get that right? <laughs> shame on on you. Well, anyway, the the whole point there being that that's not how love acts. Love doesn't go, okay, well, once bitten, twice shy. Love says, okay, I, I got burned, but you know what? I love you enough that I'm going to endure that. And is that not exactly what Jesus does with us? Over and over and over again. That's exactly how he treats us. Mm-hmm. We're beggars in front of him, just like the beggars who come to us. That's right. And, and and yet we don't seem to have much of a problem with only going to him because I hear that a lot. It's like, well, that guy, we only see him when he needs something. Yeah. And to me, this is, I mean, it, it all just comes back to being Christ-like. That's, I mean, it's simply what we're called to do. Mm-hmm. We're called to be benevolent people. We're called to be giving people. And uh, it's really interesting that the church has a benevolence fund so that when people come to it, you know, come to the church, they mm-hmm. can go, okay, well, we have this money pooled together. And I'm okay with that. But how much better is it whenever you go out and individually, as a church, as the church, yeah. individually give? Number one, it, it's good for you mm-hmm. because it reminds you of who you are in Christ. Yes. You know? It feels great to serve. It does. Uh, but the other thing is, is, is it's good for the church. And then it's, it's always good, and it's for, good the for the community. That's right. It's, it's good for everybody. And, yeah. and, you know, yes, you're going to have freeloaders. You're going to have those people that are taking advantage of you. And you know what? If you discover that your giving is not true benevolence, if your giving is perpetuating a problem, then you deal with it. Right. And and so not saying just always give without question, because sometimes giving is not the best course of action. But 
that needs to be the last place we go sure. instead of the first place we go. And that's what's been, I, I think, traditionally the problem is the first thing we want to do is um, is look at people and go, um, we distrust them. Right. Like that's the first place we go. We start, we build policies yeah. around it and, and this sort of thing. And, and so, and I guess how the evangelism thing fits in here is. I want to readdress that too. I've heard so many people say, I'm not, I'm, I'm not for handing out food just to people on the streets, you know, unless I'm able to preach to them. Well, wait a second. If you keep giving things to people, if you keep being benevolent to people, you get their ear and they start listening to you. Yeah. And it's not about that. I mean, it's, you can't correlate the two. That's the problem. Right. We, we like to correlate the two. Mm-hmm. No. Okay. So our overall mission, and, and it's an, it's an honest mistake because our overall mission is to preach the gospel. Yeah. So we want to correlate that into all aspects of our life, but the danger comes when we go, well, it can't be this without this. Yeah. It, it can be. You don't need to correlate the two. That's ridiculous. I, I well, wanna... we, don't, we don't need to close the sale. Right. And that's too many times. Once again, we're in a corporate environment yeah. where you, you make the cold call. And then you close the sale. Right. We're not called to close the sale. No. We're called to make disciples. And that could take years. Right. By the way. Yeah. It's it, <laughs> I wanted to uh just my my own my own take on the whole evangelism thing. I, I totally believe in re, uh, relational evangelism, which is what yes, you're talking about. Yes. But I also do believe in the in the tracks and I believe in in the street preaching and the other stuff too, um, well, as long as we see them as seed planting, right? This right. isn't you know. It, it, here's my point in that whole thing: you do what God calls you to do. Mm-hmm. Don't ascribe or prescribe to one set thing and think, well, this is the only way that this is done, because it's absolutely not. That's correct. People are one through Christ in every. <laughs> Every means possible. Do not do not think for a second that you are the one that's winning a person to Christ at all. No, no, no. That's no. not it. And so, you know, a lot of people think with the relational thing, they can have the tendency to think, well, I'm building this relationship so that they can come, you know, and then, then I'm going to teach them about Christ and that's going to... No, 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 no. You're building a relationship because God's calling you to build a relationship. You're not winning them to Christ. Christ is going to win them to Christ, period. Right. But... In the same aspect, don't think that you're going to go out and street preach or hand out a, a tract and think that person is going to come to Christ because of me. That's not it at all. It's both and. It's not either or. It's both and. And Christ is the one that 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 harvests. It's not us. We're just workers, and we work in different ways. And you know that reminds me of when Jesus was with the woman at the well. So he's having this conversation with the with the Samaritan woman, and she. Um, she runs off. She gets all excited, and she she runs off to right. to town. And Jesus goes back to his disciples, who are all trying to figure out why in the world he's wasting his time <laughs> yeah. talking to this wretch woman, yeah. of a woman. And he, I can I can just see the smile on his face. He comes to them, and his and he says, "Get ready, guys. You're about to reap where you did not sow." <laughs> that's so and good. that's such a good message for us because what happens is all these people start coming from town. She's planting the seed. Right. She's the one sowing, but the disciples are the one who get the who bring the harvest in. That's why I'm saying you can't look at it from a corporate mindset of this is a sales technique right. and you have to get from the pitch to closing. There there sometimes you're just the pitch guy. Yeah. Sometimes you're the closing guy. Yeah. Sometimes you're the one in between who's helping things grow a little bit. Right. But but we have to look at it in if love is the key to everything and it's not about performance, it's about love, then God will work through it. Yeah. Whether you're in the front, the middle or the end or all of it. Right. Um so th- th- there's just so many things that um we're talking about mission. I I love what Jesus says in Luke 4. This is the beginning of his ministry, right? He shows up to his hometown in Nazareth. He goes into the to the synagogue there. He whips out Isaiah 61. He starts reading <laughs> yeah, from that's it. Right. Okay, listen to what he quotes. He says, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. 
To who? To the poor. <laughs> okay, and then he says, He has sent me to proclaim release to the captives. That's all of us. <laughs> and the regaining of sight to the blind. Mm. To set free those who are oppressed. To proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Okay, there's the there's the big evangelist pitch right there at the end, right? Right. But what all led up to that? Freeing people, right? Giving, going to the poor, freeing people from the, whatever's the bondage that they're in, whether that's a physical or or mental or whatever. This is Jesus's mission. He's telling them, "This is my mission statement." Because he closes the scroll and says, "Today, this is fulfilled." So here's the great question that comes to a head here. Is this fulfilled in you? In other words, are you fulfilling this? Yes. Are you being like Christ? Right. And are you setting the captives free? And are you bringing good news to the poor? If I'm wearing the name Christian, then I'm saying that my mission is his mission. Yep. His mission is my mission. And if he says, this is my mission, this is what I'm called to do. And, he, and I mean, that was very concise. It right. goes through all, basically everything Jesus did in his ministry. You watch him. He does exactly what he says he's going to do. That's right. He went to the poor. He went to the sick. He went to the captives, the Syrophoenician woman. These All these people that he went to, that uh, the, the poor lady who showed up at Simon's house. Yeah. These are captives. Right. These are people that are stuck in their sin. They're stuck in all kinds of situations. The blind. And, and I mean, yeah. And don't think for a minute that someone can't be stuck in sin. Yeah. I mean, that's everywhere. People are captive. Man, those homeless guys out there, and you're like, I'm not going to give them 20 bucks because they're just going to buy a beer with it. Well, you know what? You're right. But those are that's that person's only release. Right. That's that person's only ability to cope with his current situation. Right. So you have to have grace with it. Amen. Over and over and over and over again. Yes. Wow. And sometimes it's going to hurt. Sometimes it's gonna, you're going to get burned, and you're going to learn on through stuff. But the thing is, we got to quit separating these functionalities that Jesus didn't separate them. No. He he helped people, he loved people, and he preached to them. Yeah. And and I think part of what we're doing wrong is we're preaching before we're building a relationship. Like we we're bringing in this hard to listen to message and se- and trying to sell Jesus instead of showing people Jesus. Yeah, I I think it it simply comes back to being who God has called us to be, which is little Christs, yep. and spreading the message, and that's it. I mean, that's that's pretty much it. You can't separate that because it's both and. So, right, and you know the last verse I want to look at is uh, we talked about James. Yeah, one of my favorite verses in James one, because he and he's being he's being very um, sarcastic in his wording, but he says, pure and undefiled religion before God the Father is this, (laughs) to care for orphans and widows in their misfortune and to keep oneself unstained from the world. That's true religion. Now, that's not even that, honestly, that's not religion at all. (laughs) Right. It's it, he's being very tongue in cheek. He's being like, okay, it's not about ritual. It's not all these things that are religion. It's not about all those things. What it's really about is you caring for unfortunate people so much so that you inject yourselves into the yourself into their lives. Amen. That is religion in Jesus's eyes. It's not all the ceremony. It's not all the ritual. It's about loving people. That's right. Ugh. So, yes, our call is to make disciples and our call is to preach. But first and foremost, we're to love people. And that leads us to all of those things. That's right. So, Amen. You want to do some news? Yep, let's do some news here. If I can find the button. And now, the news. <clears throat> Well, it's interesting if that was our topic because I have a really good news article for it. Is it from the Babylon Bee? No, it's not. It it almost seems like it should be. A police officer in Indiana was fired for telling speeders about Jesus. 
Wow. <laughs> An Indiana officer was fired last week after his de- uh, department received multiple complaints from people that he pulled over and then lectured on the ways of the Lord, according to the UK's Metro News. The Indiana State Trooper Brian L. Ham- Hamilton, who served with the department for 14 years, was reportedly proselytizing and handing out tracks to drivers who uh, he pulled over for speeding. Authorities say the termination came after they received a complaint in January that suggested Hamilton questioned a driver's own religion. The officer had already been given a formal warning not to question motorist religious beliefs. <laughs> wow. <clears throat> this is what he says. Oh, well, I just, I'm just following what the Lord told me to do, and you can't change what the Lord tells you to do. So if the Lord tells me to speak about Jesus Christ, I do. And that's why they fired me, so that's where we're at. Hey, well, good for him. All right. Um, that's what he's called to do. Yeah, I mean, that's kind of a captive audience, isn't it? It's a very captive audience. <laughs> Pun intended. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um, this is really cool news. New archaeological find could reveal new evidence about the Bible. Um, archaeologists have found new evidence that th- about the time frame of biblical text based on what's essentially a shopping list. In an excavation of a fort in Arad, Israel, researchers found notes inscribed in ink on pottery asking for wine, flour, and oil. On analysis of the handwriting by scholars from Tel Aviv University suggests the literacy may have been far more widespread in the Holy Land around 600 BC than previously known. Hmm. Why is this important? Well, basically, one of the biggest arguments about the uh, written text was that there weren't enough... These guys were fishers and they... Yes, there weren't enough literate people. If this finding is correct and it's dating, it shows that there were a lot more literary... Literate, uh, literate people than than we presuppose. Credit for that's right. Yeah. So it's really interesting uh, research. One of the long-standing arguments why the main body of biblical text wasn't written down as it appears uh, in present until after 586 is that before there weren't enough literate people on of uh, or scribes to undertake such a huge literary product uh, project. But the literacy rates in the Arab fortress were reflective of the entire kingdom of Judah. There would have been hundreds of literate people, the Tel Aviv research team suggests. Yeah, if they're making grocery lists. Exactly. That's the point. So that's that's pretty cool. Interesting. Yep. Um, all right. Uh, this is my last news article. Belief in God, forgiveness, and honesty are essentials to being a Christian, says Christians. <laughs> According to a poll... <laughs> Christians say uh, belief in God, forgiveness, and honesty are the top essentials for what it means to be a Christian. The survey conducted by Pew Research asked participants about a series of 16 beliefs and behaviors, whether each is essential, quote-unquote, important but non-essential or not important to what the religion means to them personally. Among Christians, believing in God tops the list— with somehow only 86% saying belief in God is essential to the Christian identity. (laughs) Around 7 in 10 Christians at 71% (laughs) say being grateful for what they have, forgiving uh, those who have wronged them, and 69% and of always being honest, 67% say that it's also essential to being, uh, oh, Always being honest is also essential. Surprisingly, only 35% said that attending religious services is essential. Gotcha. Other findings, 26% say that dressing modestly is important. 22% that working said that working to protect the environment matters. And 18% that resting on the Sabbath is essential to what being a Christian is. So interesting. Wow. What would you say that's essential for being a Christian? The gospel. Yeah. Nothing else. <laughs> <laughs> That's the essential. That's me, anyways. Okay. Yeah. Uh, and this day in Christian history. Philip's bringing it in for you. Yeah. Yay, St. <laughs> Philip. <laughs> there we go. Good. All right. At 12 noon on this date, April 13th, 1742. The world first heard the lovely overture, memorable areas, and majestic choruses of the most famous Ontario 
oratorio, oratorio mm-hmm. ever written. <clears throat> the, uh, there has not been a year since that Frederick Handel's uh, Messiah has not been performed in concert halls around the world. Usually it appeared in numerous halls. The performance took place in Dublin in the Fishamble Street Music Hall. Dubliners received it with enthusiasm. Uh, have you ever heard the story of how Handel wrote this? I don't he basically so. starved himself. He was in Dublin, and he locked himself in a room and said he was literally inspired by God to write this. And he spent how many days? Oh, my gosh. I forget. Fasting and... Yeah, he wouldn't accept any meals or anything. Would he finally... Uh... <laughs> Hold on. I was looking. I don't think... I did think I did see all heaven before me and the great God himself. This is what he oh, says. Oh, wow. So whenever he he was finished, they went into his room and found him weeping on the floor, destroyed, like just totally distraught. They found Handel's Messiah, and that's what he said. He was just like, he was awestruck. So to me, this is like... That's kind of cool. Yeah, like the greatest... Christian music ever written mm-hmm. was Handel's Messiah. People yeah. forget about that when they put it on the charge, but whatever. Yeah. Yeah. Anyways, yeah, Handel's Messiah today was the first time performed. So that's all I got, dude. Awesome. I can't do anymore. All right, let's get it on out of here then. Okay. The Theonauts are part of the Great Commission Transmission Network using new media and social networking to go into the world and proclaim the good news to everyone. To find out more, Go to gctnetwork.com, subscribe to the newsletter, stay up to date with all of our shows, including Finding Christ in Cinema and the brand new The Worship Show. Woohoo! Visit our website at theonotpodcast.com for show outlines and notes. Also, please join us in praying for one another. You can anonymously confess sins and pray for each other at prayer.theonotpodcast.com. There are several ways to contact us and to leave us feedback. Send us an email to theonots at gctnetwork.com. Or call us on our voicemail line at 972-885-7270. Listen to us on iTunes, Stitcher Radio, or your favorite podcast catcher. And don't forget to leave us comments and rate us, as that helps our show reach a larger audience. Tweet to us on Twitter using at Theonautical. Like us on Facebook at facebook.com slash Theonauts. Don't forget to tune in again and explore the vast reaches of God's Word with us. All right, Jeremiah, thanks for being here, brother. Hey, thank you, man. This has been the Theonauts Podcast. Call us with your questions or comments at 972-885-7270. That's 972-885-7270. We'd love to hear from you. You are tuned in to the GCT Network. This is your great commission. This is your great commission transmission. GCTnetwork.com. I've fallen and I can't get up. This is your great transmission. Don't put this on the radio.